Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Bear Sage Institute colleague Ed Class. On today's show, folks, we're talking about why AI will save the world. Hey, Ed, how's it going? I don't know if it'll save the world, Ron. I mean, it's a little it's, hyperbolic, isn't it? The, yeah, but you know, it's, it's it's clearly intended to be the counterpoint to AI will destroy the destroy world. Destroy the so world. That's, uh, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. But all so, right. Well, lead us in here, Ron. I, well, I I await your your guidance through this article. How do we find out about this? Ed? I I forget. It's been it's been a few weeks back, but this is by Mark Andreessen. The uh, famed uh, venture capitalist of uh, Andreessen and Horowitz fame, and he's a really smart guy. Uh, he's like Peter, developer Thiel. of Netscape, he, he, developer of Netscape. Yep. And um, every time I hear him interviewed, uh, I'm just blown away. He is just really, really intelligent, just like uh, Peter Thiel. But he starts out and says that AI will not destroy the world, and in fact may save it. But then. Just like we like to do, the first thing he does is defines it. Yes. What is AI? It's the application of mathematics and software code to teach computers how to understand, synthesize, and generate knowledge in ways similar to how people do. And I, I get that definition, but I wanted your take on that. Do you, do you agree with that definition? Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with any part of it. It, it, it might be a little bit lacking. Uh, although in a future show, you're going to hear my definition of a or what when I was asked, what is AI as it is neither artificial nor intelligent. And I do believe that I agree <laughs> because I... it's not artificial in the fact that that it's it's created by humans and therefore we are natural. We are part of the natural world. So, you know, I, I always have that that and it's not really intelligent. And I, I think that that's that's really the key for me. It has knowledge, but it doesn't have intelligence. It it mocks it, or it mimics. I'm sorry, it mimics intelligence. And I, that's the word, the phrase that I was used is mimic. Mimic. Th that's what got me when he said similar to how people do. I'm not sure. I mean, it's that it's that old line about you know can AI think? And that's like asking a submarine if it can swim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but. Um, but he does say AI could be a way to make everything we care about better. So then he goes on to kind of describe that. He says, every child will have an AI tutor, right? Every person will have an AI assistant, mentor, trainer, coach. Every scientist will have an AI assistant and scientific breakthroughs and new technologies and medicines will dramatically expand. I even think AI is going to improve warfare by reducing wartime death rates dramatically. In short, anything that people can do, their natural intelligence today can be done much better with AI, from curing all diseases to achieving interstellar travel. Um, and he says, perhaps the most underestimated quality of AI 
is how humanizing it can be. And, and boy, I had issues with this. Talking to an empathetic AI friend really does improve their ability to handle adversity. And AI medical chatbots are already more empathetic than their human counterparts. AI will make the world warmer and nicer. Ah, not sure. I, I see your, your hesitancy with that, but I will say that going back to this thing called Eliza, which was a computer program back in the eighties that ran on basic. I mean, it was really, mm -hmm. and it was meant to be a, a, an a analyst and it would say things like, you know, you, you would type in what, what it would say, what can I help you with? Or, and you would type in, well, I'm concerned about such and such and would say, tell me more. And then it would, it would take you through. And there were even studies back then. I don't know if they passed the replication crisis or not, but there were studies back then that some people felt better than going to a human therapist. And that was in the most rudimentary form of this. So I, I think that it's theoretically possible. I will say this, especially if you you read that definition of every child will have an AI tutor that is infinitely patient, infinitely compassionate, and infinitely knowledgeable and infinitely helpful. My experience with it is, is that to a certain extent. I mean, it doesn't care how many times you ask it, tell me that again, or explain that to me in a different way. It doesn't get frustrated. Right. It will, it will just keep, keep coming at you. And sometimes it'll give you a different metaphor for things. Sometimes it will give you a different example. And I think that's pretty cool actually. So, uh, you know, it, I, I actually at the top of that section where he lists all of those, all of the wonderful things, he has a, a great line that I would like to read into the record here. He said the most validated core conclusion of social sciences across many decades and thousands of studies is that human intelligence makes a very broad range of life's outcomes better. Smart people, smarter people have better outcomes in almost every single domain of human activity. And if, if AI can help us increase HI, then by definition, it's going to make society better. Agreed. Agreed. And just to point out, this is a really long article. Yes. <laughs> and then <clears throat> we're not going through every paragraph. We're just taking no. a, the highlights. But then he says, a, Ed, the stakes here are high. Uh, AI is quite possibly the most important and best thing our civilization has ever created. And boy, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. <laughs> well, hey, let me let me let me throw this at you and see if I can get you to agree with that statement. It is, I would say it's true, or, or it's at least a, 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 uh, defensible position that you could say that that's true. If you, if you, if I take out all of the things that I think you're thinking about that I would say were not created by humanity, but emerged. Mm -hmm. So if we take out, you know, you and I believe that the market emerged out of human behavior, it wasn't designed. This was designed. Well, the founders so, designed our country that the founders designed our country. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So th there, there are other things I'm just pointing, right. pointing about the, there, there is a lot of things that did emerge out of human intelligence and were not designed by it. And a lot of those things you and I think are some pretty great institutions. Right. And ideas <clears throat> and ideas and, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. ideals mm -hmm. like Liberty. <clears throat> yep. You know, sure. all that, but either way, I, you know, he's, he's being, uh, he's being probably evocative, evocative <laughs> yeah. but, but I like it because he's, he's countering the doom and gloomers. 
And then he's got a section called, so why the panic? He says, why is there so much hysterical fear and paranoia? AI will kill us all, ruin our society, take all our jobs, crippling what will, will create crippling inequality. He says, this is a moral panic, a social contagion. And then he talks about the fine folks at pessimists archive that have documented the moral panics over the decades or, and that I love this website. Did oh, you, it's fantastic. Isn't it great? I, <laughs> I, I mean, there's so many things up there. Oh, the, the printing press books, radio, TV. I mean, you on and on it, it does. It's a moral panic every time. Yeah. And, it, it's, 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 it really is. I mean, it, it, but it's, and, and what they all will talk perhaps more about this later. They all have the same characteristic in that they all say, this time is different. It's though. different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So, and then he, he talks about the Baptists and the bootleggers of AI. Oh, <clears throat> one of my favorite topics. You know, when we, and I was prepping for this, I, I, I thought sure that you and I did a show on bootleggers and Baptists. We did. We did. I don't think we, I couldn't find it in the title though. So maybe, maybe it's out there on something else. You know what it is, Ed? It's under our public choice theory show. We call it public choice theory. So we covered it, but we didn't do it, do a show. Because it's a subset of public choice. Okay. Okay. We we did a whole show on public choice and I know it included a segment probably too on Baptists and bootleggers because we both love that so much. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's worth kind of going through it at a high level here. So let's see if we can do that before the, the first break. Okay, well, Baptists are the true believers, the social reformers who legitimately feel that new restrictions, regulation, laws required to prevent societal disasters. So these, the, you know, the Baptists are the ones that want to uh, outlaw alcohol. And then you've got the bootleggers who are just self-interested opportunists, and they'll join up with the Baptists and say, yeah, we should, we should outlaw alcohol. And of course, that way they get the black market to themselves. Right. I mean, it is legitimately comes from the 1920s, the the prohibition of alcohol. That's the metaphor is bootleggers and Baptists that they they both voted on the same side of of the temperance movement for for, but for very different reasons. And we've seen this with tobacco companies and vaping. And I, we talk about Baptists and bootleggers all the time. And it really has a lot to do with regulatory capture and all of that. But what Andreessen is saying here with respect to AI, he says the true believers that think it's doom and gloom, he said, they really mean it uh, about the existential risk. If you strapped them to a polygraph that, you know, they're not, they're not lying, but the bootleggers are self-interested opportunists. Now he says they're either paid a salary or they receive grants to foster AI panic. They're probably bootleggers. And and that's why (laughs) we're so suspicious suspicious of Sam Altman going before Congress saying you should regulate us. I, 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 I still think that was a fundraising move. I really do. I think the letter that the 2,800 scientists signed was a fundraiser that they want to see the government pour money into this, just like the government poured money into chips, mm-hmm. and, you know, into semiconductors. And, and Andreessen points out the problem with the bootleggers is that they win. The Baptists are naive ideologues. <laughs> yeah. But the bootlegs are the cynical operators. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, so true. Um, even when the, he says, even when the Baptists are genuine and even when the Baptists are right, they are used as a cover by manipulative and, and and venial bootleggers to benefit themselves. And I think that's that's really the culmination of the whole bootlegger Baptist theory. Yeah. 
that that's a that's a great uh, it's it's a great uh, point. I just love that. Um, and then he's got the next section. Section is uh, and we'll just have to get into this because we're up almost up against the break. But a he documents AI risks and he numbers them. So AI risk number one: Will AI kill us all? It's going to kill. He says thinking it's going to kill humanity is a profound category error because it's not alive. It's not going to come alive any more than your toaster will. I mean, this is Russ Roberts point. I know it's so silly, but unplug it. (laughs) I'm just worried if the coffee maker and the toaster get together, that's, you know, generally bad water and electricity, not a good thing. Oh, I try to avoid that. You know, Ron, let, let's take the break here so we can get back to this and do this with with, with, uh, with proper attention. Good. But yeah, we'll get back to risk one, which is AI will kill us all. But want to remind those listening that you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. We'd like to remind you that to if you want to help us grow the show, you can rate this podcast by going to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE. SOE that's will help us others find the show the more ratings that we get so we'd love for have you do that but right now a word from our sponsors follow voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And today on The Soul of Enterprise, we are talking about Mark Andreessen's article, Why AI Will Save the World. And we first started talking about the risk number one that he identifies, which is that AI will kill us all. And Ron, I I wanted to just make this point because I I think this is is important. This is not a new idea. Let's just say this from a technology, this goes... Literally all the way back to the beginning of, of, of our forebears who started thinking about this stuff, and that is the ancient Greeks, right. who expressed this myth 
in the what was or this fear in in what's called the Prometheus myth. This is Prometheus, got, you know, got fire from the gods yep. and brought this general technology to man, and then was condemned for it to perpetual torture. And this has you know later growths of this is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. This is this is this is an idea that is as old as we as human thinking is. So I, I just find that so amazing. But this time, it's going to be different. different. <laughs> Remember, I don't know. You, I know you've seen them. These were old videos. But the caveman, the caveman sitting around like in a focus group. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And they present fire. Yeah. I don't like it. It's hot. It could, it could burn you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the, if the precautionary principle, you know, were alive back then, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have fire. Yeah. Well, and I wanted to point that out too. That this is that that that's how it manifests itself today. And we did a whole show on that. And you know when it was, Ron? Do you remember when show two eighty four was? It was right after COVID had hit, and oh. we had planned to do that show weeks before we even knew what COVID, COVID was. was. And it just and it gave us a a, a launching point for for because we what we called it back then uh, we we've lost our minds I think that's how I opened that show yeah, I, I think you did <laughs> yep but the concept that he points out is because AI is not alive you know it's not going to come alive any more than your toaster will this is this is Rabbi Lappin's point too that it AI doesn't have a soul mm -hmm. which I think is important to keep in mind given the title of ours. Right. Well, and and, he, and here's the here's the thing about this this whole thing is it's not a testable hypothesis. Right. So it's non-scientific. It's non-scientific. It's completely unscientific. It is the antithesis of science because it, you they're asking you to prove a negative. Prove to us that it won't hurt, won't harm us. That's that's proving a negative. You can't. It's not possible. Right. He he points out, he, 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 he says, I think three things are going on. First, we call that John von Neumann responded to Robert Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer's famous hand-wringing about his role in creating nuclear weapons. And von Neumann said, some people confess guilt to claim credit for their sin. <laughs> this is, in, 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 you know, in other words, I'm working on something so important, it's going to devastate humanity. Now, to some extent, nuclear war was just that nuclear weapons were just that mm -hmm. but it's a really good point um <laughs> i love he, he quotes truman oh man <laughs> after meeting with oppenheimer he said don't let that cry baby in here again <laughs> oh my you know the the, the, the and oppenheimer is going to be a movie it releases i think later on this month in in uh, in july so that'll be, and I do want to see it. I think it would be interesting to see how they, they handle that from a biopic standpoint. You know, I've read books by Oppenheimer or a book by Oppenheimer. Maybe it was about him. I forget, but I've also read Edward Teller hmm. who, you know, is on the other side. I mean, Edward Teller was the one working on SDI, but mm -hmm. uh, he, he's, and then second, he says, some of the Baptists are actually bootleggers, AI safety expert. AI ethicist, AI risk researcher, they're paid to be doomers. And and I think that's true. Yeah, that is a really interesting point. Is that is that, a great point. That, that Baptists can be bootleggers, actually. And I think that is an important Absolutely. thing not to miss. And then his third point. Oh, and gosh, let's, I'll let's let you handle California. this one. <laughs> California is justifiably famous for our many thousands of cults. <laughs> and AI risk has developed into a cult. That is a fantastic point because it's got all the hallmarks of a 
uh, uh, how do you say, millenarian apocalypse. Millenarian, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, And that's so true. He says, cults are fun to hear about, but their extreme beliefs should not determine the future of laws and society. Yeah. Including, by the way, Sam Bankman Freed, but let's leave that one out for now. Right, right. But that I, you know, I think he does a really good job, you know, as best he can do now. It's, it's, since we're so uh, at the beginning of this thing, but he he does he did a pretty good job refuting that risk. I think. Yeah, great job. And then risk number two is: Will AI ruin our society <clears throat> if the murder robots don't get us? The hate speech and misinformation will, you know, um, all these societal harms, concerns about hate speech algorithmic bias misinformation i mean all this stuff goes on with humans for crying out loud <laughs> you know uh, this this is the risk that that if we were if we had last week's guest back on would go that sounds very colonial to me. <laughs> and, and, right out of peter because this is this is very colonial you know it's not me the smart one who will be fooled by that it's the great unwashed stupid people that will not be able to discern what's true and what's false as if you know as if anyone anyone has ever changed their mind based on what they've seen on facebook or twitter right or (laughs) or from chat gpt i i don't know he yeah i thought for a while that doug doug sleater was really dead because chat chat gpt would told him it told me he was now i know doug sleater this is his concern somewhat about this technology and Dreesen ends this section by saying, in short, don't let the thought police suppress AI. And I think this goes back to your insight, Ed, about AI versus AI, you know, spy versus spy, Mad Magazine. Uh, let AI counter AI. And, and we're already seeing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, I, and I, this was a really good point, too. He calls us the tip off is that it would with uh, the nature of AI societal rick is the claim is to claim its own term and the new term is AI alignment mm. and then he he asked two very important questions which is alignment with what with whose values you know this is uh, the whole a- Ayn Rand by by whose standard by right. whose standard are you judging that exactly. and you know and you know what the answer is but nobody admits it you your standard your standard yeah, your standard yep <laughs> This is and that's why, why I think, it's very colonial. This is why I think free speech might be the best thing that civilization ever invented. Mm. It's con- conceptually. Yeah, yeah. 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 So risk but, number three, or are you, do you have anything no, else I have, to say about one, two? One, yeah, one, one, one more thing about this. Actually, I have looking at this a, a couple is like the, the – and you when, when you say free speech, that's what's important. There's already some speech that's illegal. Yes, it will. There will already yes. be some uses of this technology that are legal. You can't use it at, to build a bomb and build right. a bomb. You're right. going to jail for building a bomb. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. That you know, they want this to be trust and safety and AI alignment. Question of a very narrow slice of global populations. This is why I wrote you know all over this. This is colonial, colonial. It's colonial yeah. thinking, and then. I, I like this. He says, AI is highly likely to be the control layer for everything in the world. How is it, how it, how it is allowed to operate is going to matter perhaps more than anything else that has ever mattered. Now that's hyperbole, mm-hmm. but what the equivalence that he is making there is it's 
and and this is in the broader sense of this word is this is the con constitution of ai mm -hmm. Mm. what is the constitution of ai right and what does it consist of? And that's, I think, you know, constitution on liberty. I, I, I wish I was smart enough to, because I think in those of you who are listening might be able to latch onto this. There needs to be a book, The Constitution of AI. Of AI. Just like there needs to be a theology. The, there of, needs to be a theology AI. of AI. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a really good point. Uh, love that. All right. Give us risk number three, Ron. Risk number three, Ed. AI is going to take all our jobs. <laughs> because this time it's different. My jobs. <laughs> it's coming from the jobs. <laughs> They're taking our jobs. Uh, and yet it's never happened, right? We've heard this over and over and over. It may cause the most dramatic and sustained economic boom of all time with record job and wage growth, he counters. Uh, for, he brings up the lump of labor fallacy, you know, the idea that the economy's just got so many jobs, which has always been silly. Um, Tech, when technology is applied to production, productivity is, grows. Obviously, this results in lower prices for goods and services. And now we have ex, extra spending power to buy other things, which drives the creation of new production. Also, at the micro level, if you're being more productive and you're selling more and, you know, and your business is more profitable, that's going to enable you to invest more. I mean, think about how, think of Apple because mm -hmm. of their profitability, what they're able to come up with. Um, and it, so he's saying that you were actually going to see increases in the number of jobs and their wages. Ron, I did some research on this. There are currently on indeed.com as of right now, Friday, June 30th at 2.28 PM central time, 155 jobs on indeed.com that are related to prompt engineering wow. and they range from anywhere from $93,000 a year to $212,000 a year. And that's only today on one platform <laughs> on one platform. Right? No, I, I know I, this idea that we can just all sit back and we don't have to do anything. It, 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 it seems out of the realm of possibility to me. Even if we had a Star Trek universe, we would still find other things to do to serve one another. Yep. And, and the other thing that I, I want to point out, and I think this is the thing that so many people miss with regard to the Majobs fallacy, right? Uh, or our jobs is, is that when, when jobs do get eliminated, and th and th and those people need to go to on to the next job. It's 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 usually people who are below them on the, on the ladder. It's not like you you go from being a uh, the, somebody in the in the mailroom all, all the way to CEO. Right. Right. It's it's step by step, and that's what I think people miss. Is like, well, if we suddenly eliminate truck drivers, they're not going to have jobs at all. No. <laughs> There'll, there'll be there'll be potential need for dispatch people and for other other people to to control things and who better to know about that than people who are formerly truck drivers i mean it, it no well are they suddenly going to get retrained to ceo of a trucking company no but that's not the point it's the the jobs jobs have a, an almost an infinite series of steps that you get to and, and most of the time you end up taking a step up now does that always happen no it doesn't 
but most of the time it does. I mean, we've seen it with farmers. We've seen it with telephone operators. We've seen it with, you know, bowling pin setters for crying out loud. Nobody's nostalgic for those jobs when the AI machine pin setters came in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And th- th- I'll just put this in summary and then we'll jump to the break. But he says, to summarize, technology empowers people to be more productive. This causes the prices for existing goods and services to fall and for uh, wages to rise. As Milton Friedman said, human wants and needs are endless. So... I don't know where else we can go with that. I, I, I would hearken back that he does bring up uh, Frederick Bastiat, too, and right. the Candlemaker's <laughs> petition, and point out that you can go listen to us tell that story, which is a fantastic story back at show episode number 125, where we talk about memorable mentors, Frederick Bastiat. So Fantastic. Well, always folks, want to get out that there. Folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or me, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com check us out at the soul of enterprise.com and do check out our patreon uh show where you can subscribe and become a member at patreon.com slash tsoe and of course that show is sponsored by 90 minds more minds are better than one check them out at 90 minds and now we want to hear from our sponsors Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercial commercials plus bonus content go to patreon.com slash tsoe subscribe now and be free you're worth it streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise welcome back everybody we're talking about mark andreessen's i think it was a blog post uh why ai will save the world i'm sure greg's already linked to it in our show notes And Ed, the risk number four is, will AI lead to crippling inequality? 
I'll let you, I'll ask you what, what struck you about this section and how he refutes that premise. Again, old as dirt argument, you know, let's, let's go into the annals of Karl Marx. This is, this is an old, old idea. It's the central claim of Marxism that the, the owners and means of production, the bourgeoisie will inevitably steal all societal wealth from the people who do the actual work, the proletariat. How many times do we have to stab this thing in the back until we finally kill it? I, I, I just I just don't know. I know. You know, we talked to Deirdre about this, um, Deirdre McClowski, about just this whole class language. I can't stand it because it does come right out of Marx. I mean, we're a vast country. We got people moving in and in and out of different classes all the time. It just it's such a silly way to talk about human beings absolutely and he goes on to say there's the flaw in this theory has been pointed out by numbers of others before andreessen is that the owner of a piece of technology is not your own interest to keep it to yourself in fact it's the opposite which is to invest and sell to others so he he cites elon musk's so-called secret plan which naturally he published openly in 2006 which is the following three steps step one build expensive sport car step two use that money to build an affordable car step three use that money to build an even more affordable car luxuries become necessities you know i just that's the history of capitalism and free markets everywhere every time yep and then i just love his points that he puts puts on this would elon be richer if he had only sold cars to rich people today would he be even richer than that if he only made cars for himself again how many times do we have to stab this idea before it stops moving I mean, we've stabbed it, we've hung it, we've drawn and quartered it, burned it. <laughs> it the, still the, keeps coming back. The bottom of the market is always going to be larger than the top of the market. I mean, McDonald's is larger than Ruth's Chris, mm-hmm. you know, and Walmart is bigger than Trader Joe's. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and he, I just love how he says in, in the end, he was wrong then and he's wrong now. And quoting again from the article, this is not to say that inequality is not an issue. It is. It's just not being driven by technology. It's being driven by the reverse, by sectors of the economy that are more resistant to new technology. And he cites housing, education, yep. healthcare. All of these are what's driving more inequality, not AI. AI uh, and AI will cause more inequality, but rather we will not allow AI to be used to reduce inequality. To reduce That's the it. danger. By, by putting by putting regulations yep. on by it, putting regulations on it, precautionary principle and all that. Absolutely true. Um, things like occupational licensing, government regulation, things like that contribute mightily. Uh, zoning laws th- that contributes mightily to inequality much more than AI does. So at its fifth risk is will AI lead to bad people doing bad things? And you've already alluded to this, but yes, you know. <laughs> Uh, for, you know, for, he says the risk of bad people doing bad things with AI, he says, first, we have laws on the books to criminalize most of the bad things that anyone is going to do with AI. He says, I'm not aware of a single actual bad use for AI that's been proposed. That's not already illegal. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a tautology. Bad people will do bad things things. with whatever is available. (laughs) Again, nothing to do with technology. They're going to take rocks and hit people over the head with them. They're going to take rocks and open shellfish with it. It, it, (laughs) it, You know, and he says using AI as a defensive tool. AI is dangerous in the hands of bad guys, but with, you know, it's, it's powerful in the hands of good guys with good goals. Uh, He says AI generating fake people and fake videos. The answer is to build new systems where people can verify themselves and real content content via cryptographic signatures. So I guess this is where kind of the blockchain comes in, some other of these types of technologies. Second, he says, let's mount a major effort to use AI for good. Okay. Uh, He said, and I think there's no question a world infused with AI will be much safer in the world we live in today you know george gilder makes this point about like our our iphone cameras that you know this this keeps you from being wrongly accused you know you have proof that <laughs> what you did or i wasn't there or whatever but um yeah I, this is just just more more hand wringing pearl clutching whatever you want to call it <laughs> uh he said um And then he goes on in this section, the actual risk of not pursuing AI with maximum force and speed. He says one final and real AI risk, China. They have a vastly different vision for AI because they use it for authoritarian population control. Um, And, (laughs) uh, you know, he he brings up TikTok and 5G networks. I guess he's uh, sort of implying Huawei. and he proposes a simple strategy for China, for dealing with China. We win, they lose. Now, I've heard that before. Y- yeah, uh, it's Ronald Reagan's Cold War strategy. Um, I, you know, I have mixed feelings about this one. I mean, it's not it's not a win, we we win, they lose. But I don't like the moral equivalency that is drawn between how China uses this technology and how we will use it. I agree, and I, I wrote in my my section here that says, you know, not sure, not sure that I agree with this whole thing. I I, I think I, I don't think that the Chinese necessarily tend to pro- proliferate it across the world. I really don't. But I and and the other thing that I think he misses in here is that I think that 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 the, the Chinese pursuance of this AI technology that is being used in the capacity for evil is more and more likely to backfire on them over time because they have a, a huge middle class now and that's not going back in the bag. You know, I, we've, we've talked about this a number of times that it well, China hasn't, hasn't come around to, to for economic freedom, even though we all thought that that's what was going to happen when it began to open up. And of course, as, as Jonah Goldberg likes to point out, not yet. Right. Um, I, I, I do think that it's possible. Right. I've got a big story. I don't know. It's, it's almost worthy of a show about the real problems going on in China right now. And we've talked about this before, but we need to imagine what the world is like when China goes into imminent decline mm-hmm. because the demographics, the economic growth, I mean, there are so many factors that are going to contribute to this, that we have to think about that. So, and, yeah. and, you know, just like how the Soviet union invested so much into military and weapon weaponry at the expense of their consumers, uh, we might see the same type of dynamic going on with all these initiatives that the Chinese take, like investing in AI and other things at the cost of economic growth or serving their people. And 
you know, that's a prescription well, for disaster. Specifically, investing in AI technology that is keeping keeping their people less free. That's right. really the key. In, in, investing in AI technology is great, but keep but investing in in AI technology that is is there to spy on the people that. I think ultimately is the, is the beginning of undoing. And look, I li, we listen to a lot of podcasts, both do a lot of reading. I'm starting to see some of the the threads start to be pulled on on China that might lead to some un- unraveling. I mean, I've been way wrong before. I'm not making any kind of prediction, but that's when, whenever I hear stuff like this, it it goes through my mind. Oh, this this is these are uh, these are little things that are starting to add up. Right, you know in this article and it's a, it's a great article because some, 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 it's a, it's a lady from either AEI or Hoover institution. And I mean, it's a long article and she goes through all the issues, but she quotes Nicholas Eberstadt who says, this is all true. And China's got big problems. You know, he's, he's the guy that says it's going to, it's going to be half the population by it's 2070 or something. But uh, he says, but we have to also keep in mind that a nation in decline or poor economic growth, or even zero GDP, i.e. North Korea, can still do a lot of damage. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So All right. then he wraps up, what is to be done, Ed? And he says, I propose a simple plan. Build AI as fast and aggressively as they can, but not allowed to achieve regulatory capture and not allowed to establish a government-protected cartel. And and that's exactly what we're talking about doing. Makes no sense. Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. And, and, and that that is what the EU is doing. Yes. They, they are literally, you know, uh, putting a, a various uses for AI in various risk buckets, moderate risk to high risk. And then they're going to regulate it. And that's just going to kill this in its crib, just like we talked about with the fire right let, let me let me ask again by whose standard is it going into what bucket exactly exactly well it's self-evident ed if ai is being used to you know pick hairstylist hairstyles for a barber that's one thing but if it's being used for uh, autonomous driving that's a much higher risk isn't that obvious I, i'm just playing devil's advocate <laughs> not necessarily no <laughs> it's because because you, you have to you have to look at the level the level of complexity. I mean, just because you're, you're you're saying that the physical harm is more than a psychological one, I suppose that's true. Um, but but the the physical harm is all is, is also uh, more likely that that AI driving is going to lower the case of of accidents when we where, where we have it proven over and over again that the number one cause of accidents is driver error. Driver error, yeah. <laughs> You know, what I found interesting about this is, you know, Mark Andreessen's a really smart guy. He he pays homage to the legends of, you know, the, the people in the field of AI. It's been going on for 80 years, started in the 40s. But you notice how they never talk about Girdle and the whole, it needs an oracle outside of itself, you know, and, and some of those things that Gilder brings up. They never talk about that. It's very hard to understand. There's a couple of more videos that have been released recently on the incompleteness theorem, and mm-hmm. they're all worth watching because I think that they're it, it, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. I'll I'll try to dig one out and maybe I'll uh, throw it in there. But yeah, it's 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 important. But you're right; it's not something that we see covered all that much. 
yeah. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure these guys are aware of it, but they don't seem to talk about it anywhere. Right. Right. Especially the doomsdayers. Well, there's a couple more things, Ron, that he suggests need to be done, but let's get back to that after our next break. I want to remind yeah. you that you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is, of course, The Soul of Enterprise, show notes, previews to upcoming, upcoming shows, and the like. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise we are talking about will ai save the world an article or blog post by mark andreessen and ron just want to finish close this out and talk about some other things related to this i know you've got some another article you want to quick bring up but under his what's to be done, he talks about the, the fact that startup companies should be allowed to build AI as fast and as aggressively as they can. Open source should be allowed to freely proliferate and compete with both AI and startups. And here's the important point about both of those. It's predicated on the one that you mentioned earlier, which is big companies not being able to, to execute regulatory capture on it. So I, I and I, I think I think that that's important. Those things that that first thing has to happen. Allow big companies to go where they want, but not have any regulatory capture involved in it. Can you and imagine then, that if IBM or Wayne Computer, you know the ones that built the big computer, if they would have been able to cartelize it, think that industry, we would have never got the the, the personal computer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the last, last two things he suggests is to offset the risk of bad people doing good things. AI governments working in partnership with the private sector should vigorously engage in an area of potential risk to, to use AI to the maxim, maximize society's defensive capabilities. Make, make sense to me. And lastly, on the China situation, uh, we should use the full power of the private sector 
our scientific establishment and our government in concert to drive American and Western AI into absolute global dominance. And I, you know, this is, this is again, the, the, we win, they lose. If, if, if it's, if it's a question of the innovative uh, innovism and the market driving this AI and the Chinese government driving AI, we're it's over checkmate. Now that's our comparative advantage. Yeah, that's we our saw comparative this with advantage. Reagan and SDI. You know, it's the same, it's the same thing. We can't, we can't lessen that. That's what worries me about this industrial policy, even our investment into chips, which might be an overinvestment and come at the expense of further developing AI or whatever's next out there. That's going to blow us away whether it's yep. quantum computing or whatever. So yeah, we got to let the market take care of this. Yeah. The, the very ending piece of this, he just, he, he pays homage to those that uh, the first AI paper that he calls published in 1943. And, you know, they, they, they're, we're, we're starting to see the payoffs of what, what they did. So, uh, so we're, we're grateful to them. And then today the growing number of engineers let, lets them make this into, into a reality. Uh, we, the, the fear mongering and doomerism that is attempting to paint them as reckless villains is not appreciated. And I completely agree with that sense. Sentiment. So, excellent. Uh, yep, that, that closes us out. But you, you, you said you've come across something. Is it was in the Economist that you want to share? Yeah, it's called "Love and Conflict: An Economic Thought Experiment" from the Economist, May twenty seventh issue, and it, it proposes a thought experiment. The road to he's talking about general AI. That general AI, let's say that does it, it, it does better um, than humans on almost everything the question of what would be left for humans when it arrives. And this thought experiment, they lay out some heroic assumptions. They say AI will be benevolent, controllable, and distinguishable from humans. And uh, it's just a virtual, super smart, dirt cheap bot. So with that, those parameters, three economists model the impact of, AB, of, uh, of this type of AI. And they found that explosive economic growth was plausible if AI could be used to automate all production, including the process of research itself, and thus self-improve. A nearly unlimited number of AIs could work together on any given problem, opening up vast scientific possibilities. But there's a caveat, they said. If AI automated most, but not all production, or most, but not all of the research process, Growth would not take off. As the economists put it, they said, economic growth may be constrained not by what we do well, but rather by what is essential and yet hard to improve. And I think, Ed, this goes back to that other guy's point of where he said, what do we want humans to still do? It's not who can do this better, us or the robots. It's what do we, what will we insist that humans do? Remember the guy who wrote that book? Um, robots are human. To, I forget the name of the book, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. The, the mm -hmm. way he framed that 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 dilemma. Um, right. So what they're really talking about is the, the William Bommel, an economist who came up with the Bommel disease. So it's basically you know the output per man hour of the violinist playing a Schubert quartet in a standard concert hall is relatively fixed. It's going to take as much time for them to play it you know, 200 years ago than it would today. Right. And so it, this explains why 
industries that are hard to bring productivity to like a barber, they still need an hour or whatever to cut your hair. Um, but it explains why their wages still rise, even though their productivity isn't rising. Like in other sectors like manufacturing and what AI takes over and what they're, what these economists are saying is if the domains that AI is able to fully automate, automate are only imperfect substitutes for those which it cannot like healthcare, like education, like things that humans do more of, and the demand for non-automatable industries is hard to budge, then the unproductive sectors will grow as a share of GDP, reducing overall growth. So it's really interesting. This By automating the things that are easy to do, it could just free us up to do more of the stuff that we would either prefer or insist that humans do like, you know, being a judge, deciding parole, you know, all the things that we talk about that we'll, we'll, we'll want a human to do, not an AI. Yeah. And the, uh, the book came to me, it was, humans are underrated, Ron. I think that's, that's it. That's the, it. That's, that's the book that you were talking about. Yes. Yeah. This is the, <laughs> and here's the problem with that, Ron. I was, you can't make that point on a bumper sticker. No, you can't. The Bommel disease is is mind-bending because it's really true. I mean, we've got these teachers. I mean, why does a barber's wage have to keep going up, even though there hasn't been major productivities in being a barber? They're not cutting your hair any faster. There's been no automation there. It's because in order to attract people in that industry, you have to have the wages go up. That's, that's part of the reason why healthcare and education go up. It's not just simply because government subsidizes, subsidizes these things, although I think that's the larger part of it, but it's also because, you know, we're willing to pay for that. We're willing to pay, go, to go to a live theater. How do you do Shakespeare faster? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're willing to pay for that. Yeah. And that's what this model shows. I, I think I, now look, it's a model and we know all models are wrong. Some are useful, but I think this brings up an interesting point. Well, and this gets to we, something we've, we've talked about too, with regard to virtual reality, that the idea that, that if we can sit in, in our living rooms and pretend we're courtside at an NBA final game, that is going to be a fantastic experience, orders of magnitude better than our current experience. But it's still not going to be there. Still not going to be there. I know it, it's like going to a conference, you know, on Zoom or being there live, like we just were at Scaling New Heights. Uh, it's just it, it's so great to be live with fellow. This is this is the whole work equals worship point that Lappin makes. You know, we're serving our fellow human beings. We're always going to find ways to do that. And, and we're it, and it's built into us from the the, the uh, it's etched on our very core. Whether you want to say it's in our DNA or soul, whatever, it's it's part of who we are as humans. It's very spiritual. So when we talk about you know moving up the value curve by automating all the repetitive, redundant, stupid, silly little tasks, this just does it on a grander scale. I think it's awesome. It is. It's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Well, uh, right. folks, check out the Mark Andreessen article from the show notes. Uh, give it a read and see what you think about it. And Ed, what do we got coming up next week? Ron, next week, we're going to have our third interview with our Verisage colleague, 
the guru of of so many different things with regard to professional knowledge firms, especially as it regard regards to the marketing area, but so much more strategy positioning. Tim Williams. Awesome. I look forward to it. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy sponsored by sage building experiences that connect remove friction and deliver insights join us next week folks on friday at noon pacific in the meantime check us out at the soul of for more information on each show including upcoming shows also if you want to contact me or ed send us an email to ask tsoe at thanks for listening folks have a great weekend